You are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends, your daily edition of all things Dog Pound, LGB on the LOB. Locked On Browns brought to you by the Locked On Podcast Network. I am your host, Jeff Lloyd, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. The show itself, at Locked On Browns. As everybody knows, a follow-back account. iTunes, Spotify, Odyssey, wherever you listen to your podcast, make sure you are subscribed or following the Locked On Browns podcast. And make sure you're leaving those five-star rating, five-star ratings and written reviews. Today's episode is brought to you by our Locked On NFL Preview Series. Uh, coming out soon, the NFL season is about to begin, and nobody covers it like the Locked On Podcast Network. August 30th through September 8th, the Locked On NFL Podcast is previewing every team and every division with the help of Odyssey's lineup of NFL experts. Follow the ultimate season preview 2021 feed on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast to tune in beginning August 30th, 830. Mr. Pete Smith from Sports Illustrated's Browns Digest is going to join us here. We're going to take you through the events of today's Browns 17-13 victory over the New York Giants. Pete, uh, first things first, you know, the offense last week, it seemed a lot maybe easier. And look, on paper, the Giants have more talent than the Jacksonville Jaguars. That is understood. Um, but it came a little bit, you know, with a little bit more effort today. You know, the passing numbers certainly were what they weren't were the week before. The running numbers, however, were better. And it kind of shows you some glimpses as to, you know, the friendliness of the Browns offensive system towards the running game, whether it was John Kelly, whether it was Dearness Johnson. But, you know, with the passing game, you know, Kadero Hodge with a big, uh, you know, touchdown on the fourth day. Uh, I'm sorry, on a fourth down conversion. Donovan Peoples-Jones, a big catch. The Davis boys. Um, so, 17-13, look, it doesn't matter if you win these games. and Everybody knows that. But, look, if you're in it and you're competing, you know, that drive in players comes at a certain point where, you know, look, I mean – Regardless, you know it doesn't matter, but still, somehow, some way, you'd like to walk away with a victory. Not as smooth as it was last week versus Jacksonville. A little clunkier at times today, but this is all part of the preseason process. Uh, I don't think there's any question that the Browns are better than the Giants, but I wish the Browns' betterness showed up more. There's certain things that they don't do very well uh, right now. That was pretty obvious. Um, their their linebacker depth does not play the run well. Um, I think Elijah Lee was their best linebacker today. Um, they don't have very much depth. When it comes down to again for a, oh, I'm sorry, not him. Go ahead. Uh, their slots were a little suspect in this one, uh, and they don't have much of a pass rush that's not formed by the blitz. So, you know, they they weren't really putting a ton of pressure on. Giants quarterbacks, and they were able to exploit the middle of the field quite a bit. I don't know if they did much, if anything, uh, outside the numbers. You don't have to when you're not really putting much effort to stop it. Offensively, they need to finish drives better. 
Um, they had opportunities. Uh, they, they, you know, Case Keenum's bad interception in the uh, red zone. There were some other situations where they probably should have capitalized better. Uh, Kyle Laletta made a poor decision running the two-minute drill where he com- threw a pass uh, that was caught for four yards that forced them to use their final timeout. It wasn't, you know, clearly wasn't worth it. They still had a chance to sort of get points, but ultimately fell short. So the score was fine. You can say it doesn't matter if they win. That's fine. I, you know, even though you're like not looking at starters, you'd still like to see some of these guys who are, are good. The Browns have players, clearly, whether it was Richard Higgins or Donovan Peoples-Jones or Kadero Hodge and all these guys they have, you know, be able to create a little more separation in the score. But they got the job done. They got some things uh, that they got to see that were um, promising, some things that were suspect, uh, and unfortunately a couple of injuries, which probably are going to be done for the year, in Alex Taylor, who I really like, um, and then – uh, Mike uh, Montrell Meander, who the Browns brought back due to an injury, mm-hmm. and then he immediately uh, something with his ankle. It looked bad. Uh, they immediately called him and Taylor both out, which is, you know, the Browns typically use that a little more liberally than other teams, but that's never a good sign. And then Greedy Williams goes out with a with a groin, was called questionable. People immediately wanted to get a shovel out and start digging. He's fine. You know, tough spot, obviously, in that regard with the injuries. And, you know, Mont- uh, Montreal Meander, who, you know, a couple of days ago, maybe thinking, you know, his NFL time could be over, uh, gets the call back in. And, you know, this happens to him. Um, but on the offensive side of the ball here, um, and this is where it's going to get tricky, Pete. You know, we've seen Felton. We've seen Dearness Johnson. We've seen John Kelly. And to this point, they've all found a way to contribute. You know, week one, for most of it, was through the receiving game. Felton, not so much here as today, and that's fine. He's a six-round pick. You're going to bring him along slowly. If you start to use him more later in the season, that works out to be an advantage to you. He's more comfortable. He's more fresh. But it's getting – it's difficult because there's guys who have had decent camps, de- pre, de, uh, decent preseason showings to this point in Johnson, in John Kelly, and there's really just no room for these guys Although, and you do wonder how it's going to look where, you know, these guys are succeeding like this within a system that should be friendly to running backs. Yeah, the the Browns, I really like what I see from uh, Jarendis Johnson. I think he's locked up that third running back spot. Demetri Felton is really yeah. good at doing a lot of things. Um, it, there is a real question as to where are you going to use him on a typical Sunday? other than returning punts, because I think that job is his. Um, he had one really nice return, a couple of okay returns. He didn't get yep. great blocking on a couple of them. But, you know, it, it, the One of the questions that was asked in the post game was if they had a real fair way to evaluate Nats, and since he wasn't returning punts or something, my thought, even though that Kevin Stefanski didn't phrase it that way, is the writing is on the wall, but um, – He's going to find ways to contribute. Uh, As always, I I keep hoping that Demetric Felton is how they plan to use uh, Kareem Hunt this year, that they just move him all over the place and let him excel. Uh, I think think Felton has better vision 
than Hunt does, but obviously Hunt is significantly bigger than uh, Felton. Um, everybody else that is a running back is spinning their wheels in hopes of impressing elsewhere. There's that's uh, it's definitely easy to agree. And John Kelly, obviously, this now was his third team, and a player I loved coming out of Tennessee. Um, but he's in a uphill battle that there's just no shot at him winning. Um, but you know, you want to see the effort, and you know, you want to see the mentality of guys of understanding that yes, this opportunity may not be here for me um, with this team. But you know, you got to understand now that the Browns are a lot higher in the pecking order they could you know they than they used to be. So if you're not getting your opportunity here with the Browns, which used to be basically an NFL death sentence, it certainly got other teams looking, you know, for talent. Running backs are always appreciated. There's always, you know, a chance to cling on. And, of course, you know, with the 15-man the practice squad, that is there. I think this was a good day for Kadero Hodge because the Browns are, you know, in this odd spot here where they have six wide receivers that they love. We mentioned Dearness Johnson now, which gives you three running backs that you really like. And you have Felton, who's maybe this, you know, one-third punt returner, one-third wide receiver, one-third running back, which is great, you know, to find a way to keep him in the fold. But Kadero Hodge, you know, to be able to do this when his opportunity is called as a wide receiver, knowing how much you love him as a special teamer, you know, you get to a point where you maybe it's a luxury to keep a guy that you think is a plus, a plus special teamer but you saw today from Elijah Lee, you saw today from Kadero Hodge. Uh, this is what really, really solid football teams, these are guys who won't get talked about a ton, but become integral pieces to the overall success of what could be a very special season. Yeah. Um, Kadero Hodge uh, had a, a really nice game, um, caught that touchdown pass, which is awkward adjustment. He made look easy. And then, he made another reception on the sideline because all he does is catch first downs and touchdowns. He's the only receiver anywhere near the same. You know, he and he and Donovan Peoples-Jones are both of a size that physically stands out on the field. Uh, unless the Browns do some weird roster gymnastics, I don't think he's going to make the team. Um, I could see him getting traded before the roster cutdown date, or I could see something weird like the Browns cut Andy Janovich to – uh, allow them to keep Kadero Hodge, put Anthony Schwartz on IR with designation return, and then re sign uh, Andy Janovich, uh, like they did with uh, Drew Forbes a couple of years ago, and uh, the art the artist formerly known as Greg Robinson. Uh, that is the only Where real way Greg I can Robinson see it. Anywhere, anybody know Lompoc? Where is Greg Robinson? <laughs> Yeah, I, so I don't. It's really hard because I, I think Dearness Johnson's going to make that. Um, I think that uh, you're going to see Felton make as wide receiver six. Uh, and so, unless the Browns do something weird, um, you're going to that you, you're not going to. I don't see a situation where they're going to suddenly decide. Oh, we're I guess we're done with Richard Higgins, for example. So, I mean, that's that's sort of it. You, you, you really only have, like, two spots to work with. Uh, so that's where Hodge gets sort of stuck. It, it, in his case, it's probably going to be the best thing for him. He's going to be he, – he likely becomes a wide receiver three or four on 
on another team. Uh, so, you know, as opposed to being wide receiver six with the Browns at best. So as much as like, you know, it, it would be disappointing to lose Kadero Hodge because he's sort of been a nice player here. Uh, he, he's, he's scheduled to earn like two, $2 million uh, a little over in terms of being a, on his restricted tender. You know, I, I can't imagine the Browns are thrilled at the idea of paying wide receiver six that much money. So I think they're going to try to move him. But if they don't, they waive him and he will ultimately become a Detroit Lion. <laughs> Pete's already picked out the pecking order. And uh, hey, John Dorsey, pick up the phone, perhaps, um, and bring back in a familiar face, a familiar, familiar friend. We're going to get to the defensive side of the ball here. I'm going to talk a little bit about the uh, 53-man roster, and we get when we get to the third section here. Um, you know, as far as some people here who might be changing some minds, or you know, injuries dictating, um, you know, some changes. Uh, we all agreed they were deep. We all kind of had some pretty confident thoughts as to maybe the first 48, 49, um, but maybe some things are changing on that front. We'll get to all that and more here on your latest Locked On Browns, as Sports Illustrated's Pete Smith is along for the ride. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NFL preseason, and all your UFC MMA action. For the next pitch, head on over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get in the game, get into the games as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Bet online, your online sports book experts. Mr. Smith on the defensive side of the ball, uh, Malik McDowell sighting, uh, Richard LeCount again. Uh, you mentioned the greedy injury, and, you know, look, the Browns and certainly, the Browns are cautious to begin with. They're certainly going to be more cautious in the preseason. So with that, you know, Everybody just cool your jets. Um, you had mentioned Lee at the linebacker position, Elijah Lee. Now here's a plus special teamer. You know, he was running around today, hundred million miles an hour. Um, you know, Malcolm Smith, in my opinion, probably played more than he needed to because going to probably be relied upon the, you know, to this point, we haven't been together Pete to, you know, talk about the Jacob Phillips injury, which is a player where we were both extremely high on, as far as, you know, the athletic skill set he had and how it would translate to Joe Wood's vision of this defense. Um, so maybe Elijah Lee and look, you know, for the linebacker group as a whole, maybe, you know, there's going to be an opportunity here for somebody. Um, I think we know who the opportunity might not be for somebody within this linebacker room. You know, maybe sometimes you've seen enough here, but this is where, and we'll get to this more in the third section, uh, the third session, you know, of, of this episode is, where maybe things are starting to change up here and look, injuries are going to do that. But the defense, you know, the pass rush, you know, wasn't there today as much as you wanted. And somewhere along this line, Pete, we're going to need somebody else. And look, you know, we understand Miles isn't playing. We understand Clowney isn't playing. But you can't expect these guys to go out there and get 40 sacks. You're going to need some help from some of these other guys. And that pecking order has got to really start to show itself here within the next two to three weeks. Well, yeah, the pass rush is bad, um, and that's that's a real problem. Obviously, Takaris McKinley was a big signing that was with the intention of addressing that, and that's still 
uh, a situation that has not yet resolved. <laughs> we don't have any update. Uh, all, all Kevin Stefanski has said is that he's been in contact with them. And he's not sharing any details or updates or anything like that. Uh, Curtis Weaver, uh, he, uh, the talk was that he's changed his body and all this stuff. And he's done a nice job as a run defender. I've seen little to no juice out of him as a pass rusher. Uh, I like some of the things I see from Joe Jackson, who was on the team. I kept noting this last year. I remember. on the team. Smart, disciplined, Olivier Vernon Light. He was on the team for all season, and he played 71 snaps. They never waived him. They never did anything else with him, and yet he was still there. So he's only 24. He has the body type to move up and down the line, which is mm-hmm. they like. He's a little over 6'4". He's probably, he came out as 275. He's certainly not smaller than that. Uh, he's, he's a big gent. And uh, he, he, you know, for as much as he didn't really pass rush at eye level, he did show some nice closing speed on a couple of situations. So there's certain things there I like with that. Porter Gustin really didn't play in this one. It seems like he's safe-ish as the next guy up behind Tack McKinley. He's, he's got speed. I wish, you know, I still keep waiting for him to sort of turn his physical prowess and, and just effort sure. into more, more production. But, you know, let's put it this way. I like Porter Gustin a lot more as DE4 than DE3. Uh, Hmm. But if if McKinley's situation is, even if it's just temporarily, uh, you know, I think Joe Jackson might be the favorite there. Uh, Romeo McKnight, I think they they won on the practice squad. I think they've seen enough of him that they're going to want him there. Curtis Weaver seems like he needs a year on the practice squad, continue developing. Hopefully he can continue to get more explosive. He has nice technique. He's just not twitchy um, going forward. Uh, Defensive tackle wise, you know, other than Malik Jackson, it's sort of like, what do we have here? And I I still assume Billings is safe. I think they're playing him to get him in shape more than anything. Um, He was certainly better against the Giants than he was the Jags, which was pretty abysmal for the most part. There are plays where he's just downright dominant and powerful, which is what they signed up for. And there's some ugly plays, but I, I don't know how, you know, important for that. That is he's 25. I mean, that's the thing you sort of forget. Yes. He's a veteran. He's the, he's three months uh, older than Malik McDowell, uh, who was really fast just how much he could do uh whether it was the two-point conversion or you know some of the pass rush explosion he showed the big question with Malik McDowell I I think I think the practice squad talk is probably done um but the big question if you're the Browns is is he reliable uh given his off-field situation and, and and they're gonna have more insight than than anyone else on that in terms of where he is in sort of his life uh, I always thought practice squad for a year was sort of the best case scenario for him, just in terms of, you know, that certainty and being able to just sort of focus on that part of his life. But they may have to sort of decide if they, they're going to keep him or lose him, and given what he's it. done. It, you know, to be fair, it's one game. He did have some splashes. I don't know if that's enough for some teams. Uh, 
Tommy Togia is not going anywhere. I still believe he could be the best uh, draft pick of the entire class. And he showed some flashes where he looked like he was back at Ohio State. But he's 21. It's really hard to play in, in that position at 21. Uh, Marvin Wilson, uh, you know, he's he's fascinating because he's he's exactly what you want in sort of that one tech behind uh, behind Billings. But, you know, between his health and, again, he's young. He's 22. He's got mm-hmm. the physicality, I think, to step in and contribute. He, he's done some things that are productive. But he also might be the easiest one to get to the practice squad. I don't know how many teams are willing to spend a roster spot on him. I, you know, he is he, – he's that a true run stopper. Yes, he can flash a little against in the passing game. Uh, but I don't, he, of those guys, he might be the safest of, of not safe, safe options. There, there's no good guy to cut in that group. And then you, the last guy, Sheldon day, and you know, he is what he is. He's not going to get better. He's sort of maintaining or being what he is. Uh, I, I think he was way better against the Jaguars than he was against the giants. He yep. still made a couple of plays. Uh, he can do, he can play the three. He can play the the nose a little bit in some situations. Uh, you know, it, it's it's the ultimate question. If you if you don't believe that those other guys are ready now, Sheldon Day seems to me the fallback guy. Um, What's the Browns? That's a decision. That's a huge decision for them because you know you can't lose a couple of games and say, oh well, we went with some young guys at defensive tackle and it didn't work out. Like this is these are big decisions to make. And if just Sheldon Day just being Sheldon Day might be better than, well, we think Marvin Wilson could be this eventually. Yeah, and, and a lot of that depends on how much you think you're going to need him initially. Because as much as we can complain about defensive tackle um, in a vacuum right now, in a world where Tack McKinley is playing, you know, Jadevi and Clowney may be spending a lot of time inside. So mm-hmm. that takes a lot of pressure off those guys, and maybe you aren't as pressed to get – uh, worry about the now as as you might be eight weeks from now or even a year from now. Uh, but that's a, a difficult question. Like that whole thing gets very complicated in a hurry. So that becomes challenging. And if, if McKinley's not there, then Clowney becomes less available to me as an end option in the same way that I think Malik Jackson, although he's been mentioned at big end and could theoretically do a few things at big end, I don't think they can really afford to use him anywhere, but defensive tackle in their current situation. So yeah, defensive tackle is a big decision. And there's a, there's, I I still think they're going to keep five um, based on, on, on everything they're trying to do. Uh, But that's, that's a tough, tough decision to make. Well, and the thoughts of that is where you can view Malik Jackson as, you know, four and a half four and a half at the DN position and four and a half at the defensive tackle position. Um, LeCount again, Pete, um, you know, this was a guy that was, it was, it was a terribly weird draft process. And, you know, when you say, you know, when you're told, you know, it was injuries and this and all that, you never knew really how to place it, but he's found a way here two weeks in a row. And, you know, that safety position, look, as much as we want to see Ronnie Harrison, we want to see Grant Elpin more and more of these guys, until you see them, you don't know what's going on. So somebody's going to have to take some reps here. And if it's going to be a point where LeCount can do it early and be part of what can hopefully be a really, really great safety room, 
Let's roll with it. Um, yeah. So, in a lot of ways, I feel like the Giants game was set up to expose weaknesses for both Jeremiah Wusu Kormoa and Richard LeCount uh, in the way that the Jacksonville game sort of played to their strengths in every every conceivable way possible. They blitzed, blitzed JOK a lot, and he was really successful in that. He covered pretty well. And then LeCount makes a couple of plays on the ball. In this one, he, you know, he gets the interception at the end. It really didn't mean much. I did see some of the, the, the tackling issues that scared me. I thought the Browns tackling in general had a lot of questions. So yep, wasn't there today. So, you know, in terms of what LeCount can do, you know, I, I have no concern that he's suddenly not going to make the team. I mean, you know, Sheldrick Gwedroyne still not even healthy enough to compete for it, and he doesn't tackle either. So if you're just looking <laughs> at who covers and who's able to make some plays right now, LeCount has a clear advantage in that regard. But, you know, I'll be curious to see what, you know, how various grades come out with this and everything. Because I, I do think he he runs around, has some range, and shows some things flying around in that regard. But in terms of the, the the questions he had coming out of college, those were still there. So you still see what you like about LeCount with the interceptions, some of the things he did. But I think you got more questions in this game by virtue of the fact that you had to see more. That's a fair point. And if you know LeCount is a smart, smart young individual – um, you're going to find John Johnson the third, and you are going to follow him every single where he goes, and basically try to replicate everything you see. We're going to get here to some talk here on the final 53. Um, you know, obviously we're getting a, you know possibly some changing here within what everybody kind of thought here. Injuries do that. Preseason play does that. Continuing on on your Monday, locked on Browns. Did you know that Bilt Bar has nine delicious flavors, plus the occasional limited-time flavor? When you talk to a Bilt Bar fan, they are certainly passionate about their favorite flavors. If you don't know the Bilt Bar flavor lineup by now, well, you're missing out. Coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel. So there's something for everybody. You guys all know, mint brownie is my jam, and it ain't going to change anytime soon. If you haven't tried all the flavors, you can get a mix box where you get two of each of the nine flavors for 18 bars in total. Not only are Bill Bar flavors the best tasting, but they're healthy too. Most of the flavors have 70 grams of protein, only 130 calories, only four grams of sugar, and only four grams net carbs. Go to BillBar.com right now. Use promo code LOCKED15, all caps LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your first order. Again, promo code LOCKED15 at BuiltBar.com. You guys all know the drill. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com right now and shop for auto and body parts from thousands of manufacturers. Whether it's the simple stuff like carpet for your vehicle, door locks, or major stuff, water pumps, head gaskets, RockAuto.com has you covered. Best of all, the prices at RockAuto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to RockAuto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box 
so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. Pete, we continue to talk about this, and it's it's not going to change. I mean, the summer comes, the summer goes. You give somebody 35, 40 days to make an impression here. Um, we've talked about where maybe a player like Andy Janovich is going to fall in with this roster. Every now and then, and it doesn't re- doesn't matter how good your roster is going into training camp. One injury, one quote unquote Tack McKinley type situation, and now things are going to change a little bit. You know, yes, it's great the Browns are deep, and you would want to be able to put sixty five guys on the final fifty three, but you're only allowed to keep fifty three. Some things might be changing here a little bit. Pete, I know Alex Taylor is a player that you've loved and a player that we'd love to groom into a swing tackle. James Hudson, not the greatest day for uh, you know James Hudson today, and that's okay. That's fine. Obviously, a rookie learning on the fly. His career is not going to be you know, uh, you know, making or broken in week two of his first preseason. But now you start – but you got to put eyes on where we are as far as getting to a final 53. You know you're deep in a lot of skill positions, and that's great. But you can't keep all of these skill guys. You need other players at other positions. And it's getting to be the number crutches starting to sit in here a little bit for Coach Stefanski, obviously for general manager Andrew Barry. Well, I think Alex Taylor is going to get put on IR. Uh, I don't know what the deal was with the ankle issue, but I assume it's going to be enough that they can put him on injured reserve, whether it warrants it or because they want to stash him on the injured reserve list for a year. Another year, I think, another year being around Coach Callahan. Uh, I think the Browns are going to keep 10 offensive linemen and only three tight ends. Um, I think if you just look, I love Connor Davis. Uh, he is Darren Felsian in the best possible ways. It's like throwing to a minivan on the field. He's so <laughs> damn big. Like you, you can't help but throw it to him. And he, and he caught the ball pretty well, and he's a former offensive tackle, and he has all these things that I really like. But if you're asking me – and let's put it this way. Uh, I, I know Jordan Franks is there. Jordan Franks, come on. He's not an NFL guy yet. Uh, and, and Johnny Stanton – I like what Johnny Stanton has done, but stop trying to make him into things he's not. He's oh, what do you mean? When people ask to take a six foot one and three quarter guy who weighs two hundred and thirty nine pounds and say, "Oh, we'll just make him tight end for no folks yeah. that way." Um, I really like Johnny Stanton. I think he's had a couple really nice games, but ultimately, unless somebody claims him, he's going to be back in the practice squad in case Andy Janovich misses time. And that's the other thing. Please stop trying to get rid of Andy Janovich. He's really, really good, and he's been great catching the ball the last couple of games. Which, which is we met, which is where we everybody got misconstrued in 2020 because you never really got you know to use the phrase you didn't get the full Andy Janovich experience in 2020. Well, this was these were things he was able to do really well in Denver, and yep, you know all of a sudden it was like gone. So that's been a, a really pleasant spread. So I love Connor Davis. I would like you know perfect world he ends up in the practice squad and the Browns can activate him uh, as as a tight end if they need him. But the bottom line is that. The 10th offensive lineman is more valuable to the Browns than, than a fourth tight end in this case. Um, maybe Connor Davis catches on somewhere. He certainly has been impressive. Uh, but if you're asking would I rather have 
uh, Connor Davis versus like, let's say Blake Hans or, um, you know, Drew Forbes or one of those guys, James Hudson or whoever's vying for well, seven, yeah, eight, whatever nine. it is. The, but the Browns have like twelve NFL caliber offensive linemen, and with Taylor, if Taylor's on IR, they don't. They're now only going to lose, you know, one of them. Uh, so that maybe that's Greg Zanat, maybe that's Colby Gossett, for example. Uh, so you know, if, if they're able to keep Dunn, Harris, Forbes, Hans, you know, and and Hudson, and and then they keep. Uh, Chris Hubbard, that is a pretty damn good group. Now, my perfect world, the Browns are comfortable enough in their backup tackles to trade uh, or release Hubbard because he makes almost $5 million. But with the injury to Taylor, I don't think that's likely to happen. Uh, obviously, they, they saw his value significantly last year. So even though it's expensive, they're probably going to end up keeping him. Uh, it's, like I said, I think running back, they're set, uh, with Hunt, Chubb and, and, uh, Darius Johnson, and you can call Felton the fourth running back if you want, or he's wide receiver six and the punt returner, uh, Janovich is going to stick around. Uh, defensive line is, is, is one of the big decisions they're going to have to make. Uh, I, I still think right now it's going to be at nine. Linebacker becomes a bigger question because they're dropping all over the place. Uh, yes. I, I I like Elijah Lee. I, I, I projected him to make the roster early, you know, initially because of his special teams ability. But I think he acquitted himself well and as a linebacker. Now, that doesn't change the fact that he's the guy they'd want on the field the least. But he still did more than enough to sort of showcase himself there. I think we know which five corners are going to make the team. And then it's, you know, do the Browns feel good enough about uh, Javante Moffitt to keep him as the last, the fifth safety, or is there somebody outside the organization that they prefer? I think they're going to keep Javante Moffitt, uh, who who will be easily the least known Browns player who would make the team. Uh, But yeah, you know, there aren't, that many decisions to make, but the ones that they do have to make are largely on the offensive line, defensive line, and then, you know, linebacker and safety. I think everything else is largely done at this point. Yeah. I mean, most of us put the bed here, obviously knock on wood, which I will, um, as far as, you know, just getting through this last, uh, you know, final week, uh, you know, of preseason game type atmosphere. And then you can start to dictate this how you want and Coach Stefanski, how he wants to handle these two weeks leading up to. Pete, we always do it. We're going to continue to do it. Talked to you a lot this past week. Uh, Streetsboro opened up Friday night. Pete, you had some nerves. You know, some nerves. Uh, The boys showed well. Dropped the 70 spot. And a cool thing. This is just absolutely a cool thing, Pete. An older brother, younger brother, both part of the same varsity program. Each one found the house four times a piece. That's got to be a cool moment. Um, so, look, we had nine seniors last year that are um, either already at their college programs or are about to embark on their college program. So we lost a lot of kids who, who played a ton of football last year. So there was a little bit of this question of how guys would sort of 
step in and play that haven't played varsity football or guys who had played varsity football but weren't necessarily the dude um, last year and, you know, through the first half. Offensively, we were good. Um, we scored all but one drive. We, we fumbled one. Um, defensively, we were, were not very good, but we ended up scoring on our last second uh, play, 10 and a half, tied to 20, at 28. Um, and then in the second half, we scored 56. We had scored them 56 to 7. Uh, or, sorry, where am I at? Yeah. We scored, uh, we got to 70. We beat them 70 to 35. Uh, we were able to do a lot of things um, like that. Certainly, it's a big deal for them uh, to, to score eight touchdowns between them. Um, our, you know, our quarterback, Mason Climac, tied the career record for passing touchdowns. Um, for in that game as well. So, and this was all with, you know, definitely not the offensive line that was sort of envisioned to start out the season, but they, you know, they did a good job and were able to step up in the moment and, and allow us to sort of work our way down the field. So, I mean, there's the uncertainty of not knowing exactly what you're going to get from, from that team. Obviously we had a short, everybody across Ohio has been dealing with a, shortened uh, off season in the sense that the, the season was moved up a week uh, because they added another week of the playoffs. Um, so everybody was sort of working on this shortened schedule. So in a lot of ways, this game sort of felt like a little bit exhibition game in some respects. Uh, we were fortunate to hit the ground running in the second half and win. So, you know, ultimately as much as we have stuff to work on and things to improve, you know, it's always better to do that on a win than, than a loss. And now we we host uh, West Giaga, who who played in a tough game and ultimately felt short to Bay Village this week. So they're undoubtedly looking to get back on the winning side. And, and for us, it's, it's you know, one, to make sure the first week wasn't a fluke and just to keep building on what we were able to do. So, you know, this is like college and most any level like that, you're, you're always trying to make that major improvement the biggest improvement of the year tends to come from week one to week two so we're hoping that we can sort of do that and really get rolling well and look with anything you know winning breeds confidence winning breeds players listening more and accepting of coaching uh so you know obviously a great moment and uh you know pete messaged me throughout it and you know when i saw the 70 and pete sometimes just like some browns players sends things cryptically but um, it was great to see the uh, boys just, you know, rally and you know, feel the momentum and just go on out there and hammer some guys down. Uh, Streetsboro Rockets, we always love you. You know, our adopted high school program here on Locked On Browns. If you are not following or reading the Browns Digest work through sportsillustrated.com, I have major questions, but that would be a great time to rectify that. Pete, uh, whether it's Brandon, whether it is Corey Kinnon, whether it's Sam Penix, Pete is loading up here for the 2021 Brown season. Make sure you're checking out, um, you know, for Pete's sake, uh, you know, with, uh, as Nicole joins with Pete, they do a fantastic job there. The podcast on through Brown's side, just as well. Uh, love the crew over there. You guys know it's, you know, Pete's been here for a while. We just have a great relationship and, you know, love to see the brand for Pete just continue to grow and grow. Make sure you were following Brown's digest on uh the twitter platform make you sure you are following at underscore pete smith underscore 
You show yourself at Lockdown Browns. Follow back account. DMs are always open. Me personally, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. DMs are open. Throw a follow over there. iTunes, Spotify, Odyssey, wherever you listen to your podcast. Make sure you are following or subscribe to the Lockdown Browns podcast. Five-star ratings, written reviews. Always drop those. Appreciate you guys so much. Browns win today, 17-13. They ain't all going to be pretty. Today was one of those days, but that's what shows you the foundation that is there to try and get yourself to victory. You saw it today. This has been your daily delivery of all things Dogtown. LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns.